Welcome to TechLink in Conversation. This episode is part of our vulnerability series. My name's Hannah Coffey and I am the Vulnerability and Client Assistance Manager at Technical Connection. During our conversations throughout the series, myself and Jan Levy from Three Hands will be speaking with a number of organisations, charities and importantly lived experts across a range of vulnerabilities. We hope through our episodes to bring life to a range of vulnerable circumstances, to raise awareness of the signs and the symptoms that financial planners and support teams may wish to consider so that you have the best conversations with your clients to ensure the greatest outcomes. This particular podcast focuses on cognitive impairment and dementia. Yeah, over to you. Thanks so much, Hannah. Great to be here. Great to see you again. And um, yes, today is cognitive impairment and dementia that we're focusing on. But before we get into that, let me just mention the other topics that we're covering in other podcasts. Uh, Just as importantly, we're covering um, bereavement, mental health, economic abuse, digital capability, caring responsibilities and and divorce stroke relationship breakdown so please do remember to check out those podcasts as well but today we've got three brilliant people in the room well i'd like to say in the room in the virtual room today joining us from far and wide from all over the country we've got philly hair from innovations in dementia and we've got our lived experts on dementia george rook and wendy mitchell um I mentioned that Philly is from Innovations in Dementia, which is a community interest company. Philly, quick intro to your work at Innovations in Dementia. First of all, hi, good to see you. Hi, lovely to see you as well, Jan. Uh, yes, I'm a co-director of Innovations in Dementia. We're a not-for-profit community interest company, and our aim is to support people with dementia to keep control of their lives and be happy. Fabulous. Thank you. And you've got a rich history working in this area, including at the Joseph Roundtree Foundation, um, where you worked on major programs, including A Better Life and Dementia Without Walls. So some really strong background there. And very warm welcome to Wendy and uh, George. Hi, Wendy. Hi, George. Hello. Hello. Good to see you. Um, And we are representing all parts of, almost all parts of the UK today, aren't we? So, um, Philly, tell us all, where are you? I'm up in a little place called Ness, which is the northernmost tip of the northernmost island of the Outer Hebrides. Wow. And the internet is alive and well in the Outer Hebrides. It is is, indeed. This is excellent. Wendy, where are you? I'm in East Yorkshire. East Yorkshire. And George? I'm in North Shropshire. East Yorkshire, North Shropshire. So um, it was always going to be a tough call to get together in one place today, wasn't it? So I'm glad we're all together um, in a Zoom room at least. And thank you very, very much for um, joining us in, um, well, George and Wendy are going to tell their own story. So I'm not going to try to do that for you. And that's what we'll really start with first, I think. Um, Just to understand a little bit about your own experiences, your own journeys with dementia, before we get into some wider context from Philly. So Wendy, would you like to start us off by telling us just a little bit about um, what you've been going through these past few years? I was diagnosed in 2014 at the age of 58. At the time I worked, I worked full time in the NHS. And once I was diagnosed, it became apparent that I would have to leave work. Not through choice, but I couldn't afford to step to drop my hours to part time yeah. because I had a mortgage, I lived alone, so 
so I, I needed to retire to access the pension to, to then buy a house in a cheaper area, which was the East Riding. I used to live in York. Mm. Um, when the reason I was diagnosed, I was only 58. And I was experiencing problems with my memory. I used to have a photographic memory and suddenly it started to let me down. But also I used to enjoy running and my legs and my brain suddenly stopped talking to one another. They didn't work at the same speed so I would fall flat on my face. Mm. So that's when I went to the GP but at no point did I believe it was dementia because like so many other people I thought dementia only happened to older people and being only 58 it couldn't possibly happen to me so that's just to stress the fact that dementia isn't age related there's many of our friends in either in their 30s 40s 50s and beyond yeah absolutely and what was it but about? It's also, it's also good to remember that once we're diagnosed, our life doesn't stop. As you mentioned, I've had a Sunday Times bestseller. So, you know, don't think that life stops once you're diagnosed. You just live, come to live a different life albeit differently and with support. Well, I'm glad you got the plug-in for the book nice and early. Wendy, you'd better tell us now what it's called. Yeah, the book is called Somebody I Used to Know. And by the time people are listening to this, your new one might be out, right? My January new one is, 22. Absolutely, and that one's called What I Wish People Knew About Dementia. Great. So you could have a pair of books that are very, very related to this podcast. Thanks. Thanks, Wendy. Um, just before I head over to you, George, just what was it about you, what you were experiencing at the time of diagnosis that meant you couldn't continue to work full time? Well, it was the, it was the slowness of my brain. I couldn't cope with being in the office five days a week. I couldn't cope with the telephone anymore. And if the stress had been taken away from me, I would have been able to cope, but I really needed less hours because it's exhausting having dementia. Mm. And to, to be continually carry on working full time just wasn't a possibility. Got it, I understand, I understand. So from what you've described, making that very practical decision to downsize, go mortgage-free so that you could not, I guess, worry less about money. Um, yes, right. immediate, immediate impact in terms of financial impact and practical impact moving to a new area, moving to a smaller house. Um, okay, thank you. And, and George, um, tell us a little, if you will, about um, your experience. Okay, so I... Um, I also was diagnosed about seven years ago, 2014, when I was 63. Um, 
and I similarly had been struggling to cope at work. Actually, looking back for for probably five or six years, and um, just unable to process things fast enough to be able to. Rem- I couldn't remember any names of people in a fairly large organisation I worked in, and um, I uh, I couldn't cope with the incessant demands upon my time coming in. You know, I'd be in the middle of one thing and then I'd have to drop it and take something else. Multitasking became very, very difficult. Mm. And I ended up having to make notes, copious notes of everything I did, said, anybody else said, so that I could refer back to them. Anyway, um, my diagnosis route was interesting because I, well, no, it was, it was a bit frustrating because I asked my GP three years in a row to refer me for assessment because I knew there was something wrong. And he said, well, if it is dementia, there's nothing we can do about it. So therefore, um, there's no point in referring you. Uh, when I was eventually referred, um, of course, they put me on some drugs, which mm. have helped enormously. They haven't stopped it, but they've woken my brain up. Yeah, 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 good. Um, and if I remember rightly from a conversation we had before, you did say you'd been diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment before that. And yeah. I just was interested in looking into that, Philly, because my perception is that actually dementia is better understood than mild cognitive impairment um, because it is mild. Perhaps it is, I don't know, taken less seriously or less understood or, or, or just not taken so much notice of. Um, am I right about mild cognitive impairment? Well, um, mild cognitive impairment is um, an early stage of of memory loss, or it could be an early stage of other cognitive ability loss, like um, sometimes language or visual or spatial perception, or maybe all of those. And um, it is actually serious enough to be noticed by the person and and by their family members and friends, probably. But it doesn't necessarily affect um, their ability to, to keep going with everyday activities and um, some people who have mild cognitive impairment might go on to develop um, dementia but others won't. Um, in fact it's very common. Um, I looked up the statistic and up to 18% of people aged 60 or older are living with mild cognitive impairment. And I suppose some people might just call that well getting a bit old or you know struggling a bit with age but actually it is a thing and it's something that we need to take notice of. George. Yeah, I just wanted to say, um, uh, God, I know I forgot. You'll have to edit this. I forgot what I was going to say. Um, that's, that's all right. We were talking about Mark. Hang on, I'll, I'll get there. Um, um, well, first, first to make the point that dementia, oh, we've already said that dementia is not age-related. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know what I was going to say. So what I'd like to say is that... Um, the disease in your brain that causes the symptoms that we know as dementia has been shown to be in people's brains for up to 30 years before the symptoms show themselves sufficiently to be worthy of assessment. So, you know, my, my uh, disease is probably developing from my 30s. Um, and it, 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 and it, just as it's a very slow, long process, for most people, it, it may not be. If it's a stroke or something, it's pretty instantaneous. But for a lot of people, it's quite slow. And, of course, the progression onwards from diagnosis it can be equally slow. 
So I could have 30 years before I noticed any symptoms and potentially, a bit unlikely, but potentially 30 years with the symptoms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. For some people, it's quite fast, isn't it? And for other people, very, very slow. It's, it's Indeed. hard to generalize. Yeah, and, and, and one of the things about mild cognitive, cognitive impairment is that a lot of us, as we develop these symptoms, get told we're depressed or, you know, work stress, and we get put onto antidepressants, and it takes a number of years to sort of almost prove that that's not the case yeah. before they assess you. Okay. Because it's not really understood properly. So, George and Wendy, just, just picking up on your on your respective stories, and I'd really like to understand a little bit more about the impact on uh, money management and, and how that sort of turned out for you and um, what became, what you were able to carry on doing or what became tricky or, or, or what were the risks. Um, Wendy, what about you when it came to money management and, I don't know, paying bills, for example? Well, I now pay everything by direct debit, so I don't forget. But uh, when I, oh no, actually, I, there's one thing I don't pay by direct debit, and that was my credit card. But I cut that up because I used to pay it off every month, but then I started forgetting. Mm. So I instantly cut, cut that up then and don't bother with it. But I put uh, every other bill on direct debit so it automatically went out yeah good but, but also um i find cash difficult so i always hand over a note to get change and you know i don't know if i'm getting the right amount of change or anything so i end up with just loads of change in my in my purse because i've I, I can't physically count that out quick enough to use it. Yeah, I see. And PIN numbers, the, the touch payment now is wonderful, except that there's a big long gap before you, you need to use your PIN number. And uh, that makes me very anxious to, and that message suddenly pops up that you've got to insert your card and need to put in your PIN number. Mm. So, all sorts of different different issues. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, so hearing about certainly a certain level of anxiety, uh, if nothing else, mm. amongst what you said. And George, what about for you and, and, and spending and so on? Yeah, um, one of the uh, common... Um, Features is there are symptoms of uh, of de dementia of, of of many sorts is a, a loss of not total perhaps but loss of inhibition loss of control over what you do and say um, so that so that things like controlling your money spending um, in my case became quite um, well it's not quite difficult I just stopped controlling it. Um, and I overspent on my credit card and um, uh, and realized that when I'd gone up to my limit um, that actually there was nothing I could do but chop it up and stop using it um, and in fact the best way we found was that about um, two years ago I just handed everything over to my wife it took away the um, 
took away the stress uh, of, of thinking about money. And, um, and it also meant that I got an allowance from her. It was my own money, but it was going into her account, then out into mine. Uh, so I, that's all I can spend each month. And, and that, that keeps it very simple. No credit cards. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. So you had to, uh, I, I presumably, I don't know, maybe swallow a certain amount of sort of pride in managing finances where you're receiving. Yeah, that well, it, it, there is that. I mean, some people obviously have, have more pride in looking after their, their fi family's finances and things than, than I might have had, but I, I did it. Um, I mean, I'm, I trained as an accountant when I was younger. Um, so I'm, I'm supposed to be good with numbers. Well, I, I am good with numbers, but I'm not necessarily good with handling my own money. Yeah. I can handle other people's easy. Wendy? Yeah, I think that also highlights the, you know, the difference between couples when one has dementia and those living alone with dementia. Yeah. Yeah. I, I immediately took out a lasting power of attorney with my daughters having financial control, but we didn't put it into place. It isn't in place yet until we decide I get in such a pickle that I can't handle my money anymore. Mm -hmm. But we put it in place ready. I think that's really important not to wait mm -hmm. too long because too long and you probably miss the moment. Yeah. Okay. Well, and if, if if you don't do it while you are, while you still have yeah. capacity, yeah. Uh, then someone is going to have to go through the. I can't remember the name now, but uh, some public office uh, of the Guardian or something, and um, and that is an enormously expensive and slow process. So yeah, like Wendy, I took out power of attorney for both money and care, yeah. but it's not in place. Okay. Um, May I ask then, did um, Wendy George, did you decide yourselves to put in lasting powers of attorney, or was it something that somebody else brought up with you that, that thought it might have been a good idea? Well, it's, it's advice that I think pretty much everybody gets given when they get the um, uh, diagnosis. I mean, what you get told at diagnosis is, broadly speaking, um, put your house in order, put your financial affairs in order, take out power of lasting attorney and um kiss goodbye to life and it's that's not a very positive thing um the only good thing is yes take out power of attorney on the other hand i have no doubt at all that we all should have it anyway at any age because you never know when you're going to get run over by a, well it won't be a bus around where i live but it might be something yeah okay um uh, well you two are both great cases in point of people who have carried on amazingly with your lives despite the diagnosis. But I just wanted to zone out a bit, Philly, and go and, and, and talk about what dementia really is, because a lot of people understand it as a memory issue, but it's not just about memory, Philly, is it? It, it, it has all sorts of other impacts, right? It has got lots of impacts. Uh, I mean, memory is quite a common um, symptom or loss of memory. Um, but um, people experience some um, difficulties in making decisions. Um, it can affect their behavior, can affect their judgment. 
um, it can affect their language, it can affect their visuospatial awareness. Um, some people get hyperacusis, which means it's very difficult to cope with, with loud or sudden noises. Um, so there's a huge range of symptoms. And, um, but I think, you know, unless you're an expert, um, it would be very difficult to perhaps get to know and understand all of those symptoms. So um, for me, I'm not a clinical expert, but um, I, I listen a lot to what people with dementia say and tell me. And I, I think that's how probably the best way to develop the right approach to working with and being with people with dementia. You can always ask someone to explain um, what difficulties they have or how you can make things easier, whether that's a meeting or a, um, you know, any sort of communication. Um, they will usually be able to tell you what, what helps them. So why not just ask? It's tough for a financial advisor, isn't it? Because one client's dementia might look very, very different to another client's dementia. Uh, and, and sometimes it may not even be diagnosed yet. Um, and, and, and different reactions are, are, are very varied. But George, what, what's your... Yeah, that's an interesting that? phrase you use then. Um, one form of dementia might look different from another. Um, remember, of course, dementia is an invisible disability. You, you just see the, the, the results of the dementia, of the brain disease. Um, and to go back to what Philly was saying was, uh, is that um, you cannot do anything, you cannot live, you cannot breathe without a functioning brain. So if a tiny little bit of the brain is affected, and it can be any part of the brain, then that will stop you being able to use that particular skill or function as well as you could. So it can be literally anything. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, let's move on a bit to um, the, the scale of this issue. Um, and, and, and sometimes it's, you know, you put numbers on issues and it's still hard, it's still hard to grasp, isn't it? Uh, when, 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 when it's in the thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, it can be difficult to make that meaningful. But Philly, where are we with this issue? I, I know it's on the rise, partly because we have an aging population. It's definitely on the rise. And you're right, age is the biggest risk factor for dementia. So the longer we all live, the more likely we are to get dementia. Um, you talked about the thousands or the hundreds, hundreds of thousands, but actually we're not far away from getting to a million people in the UK who have dementia. Mm. At the moment, the estimate is around 850,000. Um, most of those people are over 65, um, but um, there are about 42,000 who are under the age of 65. Um, so if you think about uh, the people um, over 65 who financial advisors might be in touch with, um, one in 14 of those people will be living with dementia. So that's quite a significant um, proportion. Um, more women than men, and we're not quite sure why that is, but it's probably because women tend to live longer. So, um, so they tend to have a greater risk factor of, of age. Yeah, and, and we were hinting at this earlier, the progression of it 
can vary dramatically, right? So within a few years, some people can, within quite a short space of time, some people can lose capacity. It's very clear that George and Wendy still have lots and lots and lots of capacity. It's such, it's such a variety, isn't it, of, uh, in terms of speed of onset? It, it, that's very true. I mean, the thing about capacity, um, though, is that actually it can fluctuate. It's not necessarily a linear thing. Mm. Um, so there's unlikely to come one day when George or Wendy don't, suddenly don't have capacity and that's it. Um, it fluctuates um, if you're very stressed or you're going through a foggy day, as people describe it, or a bad period, you might actually lose capacity to make certain decisions or to understand what you're deciding about. That doesn't mean you'll never regain that capacity. So that's something that advisors have to be very aware of. And actually, you know, legally, capacity relates to a particular decision at a particular time rather than just saying somebody has capacity or doesn't have capacity overall. Okay, okay. that's really useful. Um, yeah, George, go on. And, and, and people need to remember regarding capacity that just because someone makes a decision which appears to be silly, wrong, wasteful or whatever, it doesn't mean they haven't got capacity to make that decision if they choose to, having talked it through. Mm. Okay, thinking, thinking about the future. Financial advisors, are, very good financial advisors are often thinking about your future and where you want to go and what you want to achieve and what your aspirations are and so on and so forth because that's planning, that's what financial planning is for. When, when George and Wendy, when, when you look at your future, what, what do you think, what does it feel like to look at the years ahead of you if that's not, um, if that's not too much of a, a difficult question? Are you meaning where, where do we want to end up? Well, just what your next few years looks like and, and, and how you go about planning for that and, and, and so on. Well, I, I don't. That's the simple answer is I don't plan the, for the future as such. I've spoken to my daughters about, you know, what would happen if I, if I can no longer live alone. Um, it's totally in their hands where where I go, what which care home, which place or whatever I go to. Okay. But the financial implication of that is enormous and people really forget. You, you assume you you make assumptions that with dementia, it might be like cancer. You know, the, the NHS will look after you. You'll get continuing health care and everything will be paid for. But dementia doesn't come under any of those rules. Mm. And it's very, very difficult to get continuing health care if you have dementia. So the cost is astronomical for... Yeah. Yeah. what they call good care homes but actually because they charge a lot it doesn't mean they actually know a lot about dementia mm. Mm -mm. i was going to come on to this because talking of money and financial planning and care costs i mean in some places you are talking about up to potentially a thousand pounds a week 
for well, far more know, than that for many of them or even more than that for, for, yeah. and, you know and obviously some people are, are, some people can possibly afford that or, or, or take out an annuity to help cover that and the annuity is expensive but yeah. what do you see amongst your network of people and fully amongst the sort of people amongst the people you support and George and Wendy amongst your network when it comes to this what's the what are the realities on the ground but what are people doing about care and the cost of care George I actually find that we don't talk about that mm -hmm. um, it, I have never had a conversation I don't think about oh now my dog's gonna bark great that's a that's right. that's part of the podcast fun oh good okay um, I live in pheasant country, and um, yeah, so yeah, we never we never have conversations about uh, about that. Well, I haven't anyway, um, because you no, know, what is the reason? I think we probably don't want to think about it very much. Um, uh, I, I mean, I've talked to my wife about this, and we both. I want to stay at home as long as possible. Um, and if possible forever and and she wants me to stay at home um and that's partly because we don't want to spend enormous fees on a care home where i'm unhappy anyway uh, i might not be but i probably will be um and we'd rather spend less less of the money that we we hope to have um on having carers come in and and work here if if necessary live in because yeah. it's actually cheaper and nicer than than moving into someone else's care home um in terms of planning it's a difficult one i mean i suppose if i spoke to a financial advisor about this um they might say tell me what i should do um if if there's anything i can do but i mean we don't have much cash we are property rich um and cash poor and what the hell do you do in that case? Um, if we move house to a smaller house, we stand this chance of having a lot of cash taken if I do have to go into a care home or in fact need care here. If I don't go, we stand the chance of a lot of a large proportion of the value of the house being clawed back uh, when I die or when my wife dies, rather. So, you not know. A, not an easy one. Okay. No. Fully, from your perspective, um, is there anything you can add to this uh, on the cost of care and those those difficult decisions from 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 what you see? Well, I think you know George's George's description is probably fairly typical. Really, I mean, obviously there are many many people who don't have assets at all to to worry about or to or to benefit from. Um, out of all that, nearly a million people. Um, there is no, there is no good solution, as far as I know. Um, it seems to be potluck if you, if you are lucky and you get continuing health care, but there seems to be no rhyme or no, reason do. for who does or who doesn't. Some people can get benefits to help, but others who clearly should be eligible for them don't, um, because cognitive um, impairments are not really recognised by the benefit system. So there's a whole load of things that need sorting and I think there probably is a kind of low-lying anxiety every day amongst people who might be feel they're heading in that direction and and their families of course who are often having to help make decisions or actually take the decisions if they haven't got capacity 
Okay. Well, so, listen, our time, that, I, it's a really tricky one, isn't it? And clearly there is no, there is no clear answer there. Um, our time is flying by. So I just want to move on to practical hints and tips for financial advisors, working with clients with dementia, um, interaction, conversations, best way of approaching building a relationship. What are your hints and tips? Um, well, I'm going to start with you, Wendy, because you're not on mute and Georgie is. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I actually had a visit from a financial advisor when, when my book did so well. And while he congratulated me on my book, he then went on to say, but I'm sorry you won't see it out. Now, those are just a short few words, but they've stuck in my head as a such a, a put me down almost. You know, so I, I'd say to them, don't assume you're going into a sad situation. Not, sometimes people simply want advice. So, so be careful of your body language, your the way you talk to people, because as, as that financial advisor said to me, it's stuck with me for all these years, and I forget the simplest of words. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I hope he's not listening. I hope he is. Well, maybe, yeah, I hope he, good, actually, I hope he is. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure um, I would have told him at the time. <laughs> um, and, and George, what are your hints and tips for financial advisors if, if somebody wants to build that relationship with you or, or support you? Okay, so, I mean, there are loads of small things I could say. Um, but the first, first thing is probably to say, seek first to understand us and then to be, un then to be understood yourself, i.e. don't jump in. You need to get to know us. And I can talk quite fluently about me and my life most days, but plenty of people can't and get stuck a lot. And you have to give time. So do not rush. Give plenty of time. You may need to give more than one or two meetings with people. People have to stop sometimes and just can't go on uh, without any obvious warning. Don't assume anything, as, as um, Wendy said, every person with dementia is different. No set of symptoms is the same, regardless of what it might be labelled. Body language, sit down, same, get, get your eyes or faces at the same level. Make sure that when you talk, the person can and is looking at you, uh, because we very much rely on seeing lips at the same time as hearing words. Um, don't, for example, look at your laptop and, and or type and keep talking and, to us, or even listening to us. You need to actually be looking at us. Um, if you talk to a couple, one of whom has dementia and one doesn't, you may find that the person without dementia talks for the person with dementia and the person with dementia just sits back and just watches it all happen. So that's because people 
in that situation can get used to being taken over by not 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 in any malevolent way but just people get used to a way of living together where i forget a word so someone else provides it immediately but it may not be the word i wanted anyway but but the fact is people can get used to it and then withdraw so you need to communicate with the person with dementia and if necessary without that other person in the room if you if you feel the need to to actually manipulate that just just ask if the person can leave them alone now that won't always work but but just be prepared for that um remember that everybody make always make the assumption that people have capacity before jumping to any other conclusion don't assume people with dementia don't have capacity people who even can't communicate very well may well have capacity but you might have to use things like um what are they called talking pictures or something like that you know simple simple ways of having pictures to help explain particular concepts um very useful but and, and my final point i suppose would be if you want to work with people with dementia and please do find out about dementia find out about the disease and the way it affects us before you come and visit us become an expert in that and you'll find that you get on get a lot more clients and you'll you'll be have a lot more success with them okay george thank you very much um and i'm sure wendy has something to add to that i was just going to say put aside your preconceived ideas and i hope that just by hearing us we've enabled you to put aside your preconceived ideas because many people think people with dementia can't even speak so yeah. just put aside your the idea that dementia when people think of dementia they skip straight to the end yeah. the end yeah. stages and, and what, I'm, what i'm what i'm hearing from you is just the importance of retaining your voice yeah 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 it seems when you lose your voice you, you you're disempowered yeah. one last point above all smile because if you don't smile the person whether they have dementia or not but if they have dementia they'll start thinking well what have i done wrong why is this person not smiling and their mind will just go to pieces they'll go all over the place relax someone and smile and listen great what a good parting shot George. Um, Philly, in terms of just putting things into context, what you've heard from Wendy and George, is there anything you'd add in terms of what is useful for well, financial advisors and frankly any of us out there to know about working with um, and, and fulfilling that purpose of yours of uh, ensuring that people with dementia live happy lives? Well, I think um, what Wendy and George have stressed is the importance of making small adjustments to your behavior or to um, how you communicate with people um, which can actually can help everybody not just people with dementia so you know things like sending a reminder if on the day of a meeting um, just a quick email saying you know we'll be meeting later at such and such a time um, putting a photo of yourself on your business card or your email so they know who to expect and that's getting um, a thumbs up from wendy just so everybody knows 
That can be very reassuring. Providing directions to the office if the meeting's in an office. Um, following a meeting, just sending a very simple summary of what, what was discussed. Um, and, you know, in simple language, no acronyms, no jargon, large font, clear text, all those things just make things so much less stressful for people, really. Um, so it's, it's not rocket science. Um, it's, uh, you know, everybody can do this. It just takes a little bit of thought. Okay, that's amazing, Philly. We are, we are pretty much out of time, but I am just going to finish on a few resources and, and places where you can learn more about dementia. I have to give you your plug, Wendy and George. Check out on YouTube, The Four Amigos. Look, look on YouTube, Dementia, The Four Amigos, for some great videos featuring none other than uh, Wendy and George. Um, Alzheimer's Society has some good resources on their website. There's a booklet there. Um, Dementia Diaries, just really briefly, Philly, Dementia Diaries is? DementiaDiaries.org is a website which um, hosts or showcases audio diaries by people living with dementia. There's thousands of audio diaries on that resource, which is free. And if you search for something like money or finance um, or wills, you will find um, people reflecting on those particular issues. So that's a really good way to understand um, where the perspective of people with dementia on those issues. Okay. Well, that is a very, very good place to finish up on. We are... Um, we are probably over our time, but I hope we've kept people interested enough to, to keep them listening this long. Um, I just want to say a massive thank you, Philly, uh, from Innovations and Dementia to you, and especially uh, George and Wendy to uh, both of you. You're an absolute inspiration uh, to us, uh, to everybody out there, and to people with dementia. You clearly have your voices, and very, very strong voices they are. Um, so thank you very, very much. Thank you. Thank right. you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. The content of this recording is strictly for general consideration only. No action must be taken or refrained from based on the content alone. Professional advice must always be sought. Accordingly, neither Technical Connection Limited nor any of its officers, employees or contractors can take responsibility for any loss occasioned as a result of any such action or inaction.